we always know that there's always something to discuss as a team that how we can improve on what we do in our venue to make the day after better um, and that's and that goes for I think all humans in, in this sustainable topic we all have a, a role to play in, in, in the planet and we can all we can all do better things every single day this week on Dirty Linen, we are talking sustainability, the environment, climate change, issues that are intricately, inextricably wrapped up in the supply chain and the food world. We're talking to somebody who's made it a project to deal with these big, knotty, thorny issues. Matt Wiley is uh, one of the people behind Bree Bar and Never Wasted. Uh, Matt, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you so much for having me on. It's amazing to have you on. I feel sometimes like food waste and all the issues, all the ways in which uh, the hospitality industry feeds into climate change are so big, so overwhelming and really hard to tackle. Uh, I'd love you to yeah, t- tell us how you've been so brave. <laughs> What's motivated you? I think it kind of stems from sort of years of working in hospitality and working in bars, mainly bars, but some kitchens. And in a bar, in a bar environment, when you when you're making your own, you know, wines, syrups, shrubs, you you're generally putting stuff in a blender or juicing it, and you don't need it to be in its perfect form. So, throughout probably the last five to seven years, we've we've always kind of bought class two produce. Uh, I think in Australia it's called B grade, and. It was. It just made sense. Like we were already, we were already doing it. We were already buying stuff that the supplier wanted to get rid of at a really cheap price because it was not deemed perfect for like a supermarket or a chef. Like I, I know I've seen it. Produce arrives into a kitchen. The, the chef sends it back because it doesn't look right. Cause it's not going to look right on, on a plate because of what the consumer deems as perfect when it arrives on their plate. So that it gives it gives the, the bar industry a, an opportunity to get produce that is probably overripe, which probably tastes better than it would if it was underripe. It doesn't quite look the same, but you get you get produce that's cheaper, and you're just going to blend it up anyway. So it was when I stopped doing the the scout pop up, there was an opportunity to look at the space where Re is now, and and it was this incredible sort of heritage railway um building the locomotive workshops and and it was we're already looking at how we how we could turn this old old heritage building into something like new and exciting and it kind of made sense to to do it from with the whole the whole premise of what we were going to do anyway Mm. Well, so imagine people know nothing about Re or about Scout. Um, tell us what it's all about. Scout opened in London in 2017. It's, I closed it during lockdown because I was a- unable to go home. Um, but it opened in 2017, and the idea is that because humans over well, there's there's so much food waste, but it's because of overconsumption. There's not actually enough food for the for the world, even though we throw billions of dollars down the drain every single year. Um, and it was like, what happens? Like if you go into a supermarket in the UK, there's always like tropical fruit, mangoes, bananas, pineapples, and they just come from all over the world. And they don't taste very good because they're not in season. They've traveled for on a flight for 24 hours and they've, they've probably been on a truck before they got on the plane. 
and it was like, why, why are we, we've got this incessant need to have stuff instantly. But what would happen if that, that, that stopped in the, and especially in the British Isles, like what, what would we eat if there was, we only had to live off the British Isles. So we, we opened Scout and it was, it's, the premise was scouting for produce. So it was, it was either got, we got it from the British Isles or we foraged it in the local area. And it was probably about, we got really excited in our first summer and we'd like used all of the amazing berries that are in the UK. And then we got to winter and there was like, well, we've not thought this through because we've used all the great stuff. And now we're in this barren season and all that's available to us is parsnips and potatoes. And like, so it was a big learning curve in our first winter. And and then we grew into what we were doing, but it was a time when we we bought some sea buckthorn juice because we, we, there was no limes and lemons available to us. We were looking at ways that we could provide the, our guests with an experience that they would normally get in any other bar. So like getting a whiskey sour, for instance, was something we couldn't make. So we started buying sea buckthorn juice, which is like really sour. It tastes a little bit like orange. And we were buying it um, in juiced form from north of Scotland. So then... We, uh, when we tracked where it had been, it took about five days for it to get there. They sent it, sent it through Royal Mail. And then we kind of looked, North, Northern Scotland is like quite far away from the Southeast of the UK where, where London is. And Northern France was a lot closer. So like why, if we're getting stuff from Scotland, then we're discounting France. Like that's doesn't really, doesn't really fit with what we're doing. So we kind of looked at the radius of where France started and we, and then we narrowed our, our kind of search for produce and we, we made it super, super hyper-local in terms of where we're getting our produce from. And we, we, we started using a forager called John the Poacher. He's, he was a really interesting guy. And he, was, he would bring us every Wednesday and Friday stuff that he'd, he'd find out in the marshes, in, in the forests, just outside London. And then we kind of pretty much only used the things that John could find us. Um, and then it was kind of a natural progression then after Scout pop up here and then doing re, it was, it's the same thing really. It's, it's not foraging, but it's, it's seasonal produce that someone else deems as not perfect surplus or byproducts or something that he's being thrown away and going to landfill. And that's the whole premise of re re is as, as a guest other than probably a martini glass and your cutlery everything everything you would touch is either recycled or a byproduct or it's been been saved from landfill that that's the seat you sit on the table you touch the banquet leather seats the floor you walk on the the plates that come from mud most of the glassware literally everything this the the rubber stairs up to the bathroom pretty much everything is recycled and give us an example of the kinds of things that are on the menu. Like, what could I have if I walk in? So we've got, at the moment, we've got um, blue plums that have been rescued from Harris Farm. We get strawberry tops from um, Messina Gelato. We get um, spent beer grains from a local brewery. We've got, um, there's a lamington shop in Newtown that we get their offcuts of their lamington. Uh, and then we yeah we we repurpose them and then the chef get we've got um, we've buying 
protein from suppliers. Generally, butchers are pretty pretty good at using a lot of the animal. Um, so what we've what we've done to be more sustainable with our protein is we've we just bought half a pig, and then the the butcher is cutting it up, and you know, so we're using every single part of it. So when we run out of the neck, and then we'll move to the short ribs, and then until we've until we've done all the pig and then we're looking at doing that with a cow as well so i mean i love these ingredients but i want to know what you're doing with them like um give me is there strawberry tops and lamington offcuts like where do they end up lamington offcuts are we've 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 added that to our spirit and then we've we've distilled it in our little distillation machine and then we've added um raspberry to brandy to make a raspberry brandy um and then we've got a coconut sorbet from a local gelato shop and then we're actually blending that into like a frozen drink so it's like a lamington frozen drink um the strawberry tops we there's actually so much of the strawberry still on the tops so we we just rest that in water and make like strawberry water and we serve that with um fig leaf gin and um a rhubarb aperitif um called ruby that is actually a product of our manager Evans, um, one of his products. Um, the Harris Farm drink, it, we we juice the the plums and make them super the plums super clean, and then we we make a, a flavored spirit with like Asian sort of um, aromatics, and then we serve that with um, that. I mean, fat wash that with coconut oil, so it's like a almost like a Thai broth plum. Thai broth sort of highball was fizzy. Wow, that all sounds amazing. Um, do you feel, I mean, tell me about the satisfaction that's involved with creating these kinds of products. It's For us, it's like super rewarding to be able to, to take something that someone's going to put in the bin and to utilise it and in, in, a, in a way that the place that's given you has no, would never have thought of how to be use it and but also to create relationships within the industry you know i've seen it now i've got we've had new staff come and they and they, they come in and they go oh i went to this this place and they've got this off cut and and it's like the reward of finding something that someone's willing to share with you and then sharing it with your guests is is a really good feeling mm. i mean how do you where do you think the balance lies between awareness like you're obviously showcasing the fact that there is this waste and the fact that it can be used in different ways and problem solving because the problem is enormous if you think about you know a a third of food that's produced is wasted you know I remember shocking stories like you know the cream cheese where the packaging was you know somehow flawed was being buried in a hill you know by the ton like the problem is enormous and you're a very creative, like very forward-thinking little bar. Like, do you feel like you're, yeah? Do you feel like you're problem-solving or showcasing? At the moment, we're definitely showcasing. We're we're one of a very small group of hospitality individuals that are kind of highlighting a, a problem, but also showing how to solve it. But we are if it's raining our capacity is 46 if it's if it's sunny our capacity is 86 and we're we're very small so to say that we're we're making change would be a lie but 
we are making change in a way that we're trying to bring venues together to to see how one one city like Sydney can can then filter into Melbourne. How can it filter into Brisbane? How can we filter into all other little towns and cities all over Australia? And then how does how does Australia take that to the world? We're very. I think Australia is fortunate that we've got a lot of land, and there's an, and you're you're so close to your grower, um, and it's it's a little bit easier to make connections, and people are very open to trying to tackle it. It's just starting the conversation. Hmm. We've we've been to the market and we've gone we've we've chatted to the guys who are in the market who, who grow the, the grow stuff, and we're like, can we take your waste, the stuff you throw? And they're like, why? And then you kind of you kind of educate them as to why we want to do it. And, and then they, they, they're like, there is someone who cares as much as we do. And, but, but in, until someone's told them that it's, that's a thing and it can be available, it's not even a conversation. Mm, so you do see that penny dropping for people that you have those chats with? 100%. But then it's like it's trying to find the balance of, of how the grower or the farmer can be remunerated for something that is cheaper for him to put in the bin. You know, he's, he's got to pick it first and then get it to a market for, for us to buy at a nominal cost when it's as, as a business owner and someone who's trying to make money like a farmer with such small margins, is it, how do we, how do we bridge that gap? Because it can't just be me getting produce for next to nothing and me benefiting from it. It has to be everyone benefits in the circle of, of how this works because then that's, that creates the change. Yeah, so true. I was hearing on the news this morning, you know, there's now a minimum wage for people who are picking fruit. So it's like $25 an hour instead of, you know, $7 a bin or a tub or whatever it is. And that's that seems great. Then someone, there's also pressure being put on the supermarkets to audit their supply chains and make sure they're only purchasing from people who are abiding by that new rule. But then you just think, well, Audit your supply chain, sure, but do you need to look at how much you're paying this farmer to make it feasible for them to pay the workers better? Yeah, this has been a this has been a really big thing in the last sort of six months. Is like how how much pickers are getting paid and and how because now now a picker gets the the farmer goes to me is like now that you're not getting paid by the bucket, you're getting paid by the hour. So now you're in the you're not. They're not as productive. They're getting paid more money, and they're eating our fruit because it doesn't matter how much they bring back. And there's like, there's definitely been a kickback from the farm, and 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 you kind of have to go like, treat treat them really well, pay them what they deserve, and they will work harder for you. That's rather than seeing it as a negative, see it as a positive. Like everyone grows together, we have to we have to grow together as an industry. Everyone has to everyone has, everyone needs to be equal to make this work. And when when it when it's not equal, it breaks down. Yeah, it's almost like there needs to be a premium put on that kind of produce that's perhaps imperfect uh, because there are all these other benefits. You know. A, that are less tangible in the moment, like that it's not going to landfill and, um, you know, creating dangerous gases for the climate. Um, it's just so many of these costs just get, we're just so used to kicking them down the, down the road. Um, it's like every step of the supply chain needs to be more accountable, doesn't it? 
Yeah, so one of the things that we're looking at that we'd like to do in the future, and obviously it's not something that's going to happen in the near future, it's going to take a lot of time and effort and planning, is we would like to start a marketplace for waste where we work with the market that's already exists to, to then communicate with growers to take all food waste, all fruit and vegetables that would normally normally go in the bin because I think 40% of all produce never leaves the farm. So we would take all of that produce and you would quantify what produce has been given and then then you would log into our website or our website and you would, as, in a, as the industry, you would be able to order food waste or produce that is technically imperfect but actually perfect. And then we would deliver it at a service charge, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't actually pay for the produce. And the service charge would go into a pot and then you would be divvied up based on how much produce you'd given to the market. So the grower would, get, would give it all away to us and then they would get their portion back based on what they've given us based from the service charge. And this is something we're planning, but there's a lot of hurdles we need to overcome first. Tell us about Never Wasted, Matt. Never Wasted was, was actually supposed to launch last year, but we went into lockdown. Never Wasted is, the idea is that we bring hospitality venues together to, for everyone to share waste. Um, and at the moment, we're still working on the, the tech back end of how it works. But we're, So we're doing it in the bar to test how, how it works and how we can improve it when we launch it properly. Um, because we've, we've definitely seen things that work and what don't work and, and how quick you have to react when it's available. And, and if you don't react, then kind of relationships break down because people, people are trying to give you something and, you, and then you're, it happens late. You're physically not able to go and do it. And then all of a sudden they don't want to give you your waste anymore because you, you didn't react fast enough. Right. So is that, for example, someone's got like six extra fish that they did that they had as a special and they're not using? Is it is it that sort of? Yes. Yeah, there's someone going, "Hey, we've got we've got all these offcuts. Can you come and pick them up now?" And it's three o'clock on a Thursday, and it's like I, I can come tomorrow. And they're like, "No, we're going to put, put them in the bin." So we're we're trying to figure out a way that it works better. But at the minute, we've kind of we've we're in a good place now for our our menu of ten drinks. And we want to. We're going to start. We've got over a hundred venues that that want to be a part of what we're doing. But we're working on the tech back end, where people, when you would add your produce into our back end, and then it works on a geotag. So whenever, if for instance in Everly, if I if I went in and we had surplus of something like apples, we would we would put those apples into the back end and, and it, then it would then geotag everyone within a kilometre of re. And then you would have 48 hours to collect it. And then it, it sends an email out to those bars going, hey, there's some apples, they're for free. And then, so we're looking at how we can get that to work in a, in a really seamless way because there's, there's bars up every single street who, well, every single venue wastes food, every single one, whether they're willing to accept it or not and there are ways to minimize that with composting and and like get out clauses like like composting and things like that but everyone wastes some kind of produce and it's a way that we we can communicate and bring our our industry a lot closer together by just communicating like we've got 
this produce and, it, and, and you can do it in a way that you're not shouting about it and it's it can be it can be quiet in the background it can be up front so people talk about it it's how a venue wants to be recognized within the never wasted platform because some people don't some people are a bit shy to to admit that they they waste things and i think as this gets bigger and grows and you become more confident of sharing your waste and you realize that it's it's not a problem it's not an issue for you to waste stuff if someone can take it it's actually a really good thing that you communicate and someone takes it and it doesn't go in landfill and we're looking after the environment are there any products that seem particularly problematic to you like something that i don't know it's hard to use all the bits of it or it seems to always end up in the compost or the bin uh probably the really 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 outside part of watermelon the really fine green bit we use pretty much all of it down to that last green bit um that goes in compost um we generally save it and if and try and figure out a way to use stuff um and that might be us keeping hold of a big portion of it and researching ways that we can make it taste good inevitably things do things do go in compost um because of the input to output ratio um and and if we had an excess of space and big fridges we could probably keep everything and use it um but we're it's definitely been a learning curve and it's something that we we're always getting better at and, and and it starts by bringing less bringing less produce into your venue so your your input output is is more even yeah, definitely. I mean, I can definitely relate to that in the home kitchen where obviously, yeah, the more you've got, the more you're going to waste, the, the less you've got, the more resourceful you have to be. And yeah, coming to the end of seven days ISO, I'm like, it's actually really good because you've got to, um, yeah, just look to the bottom of the drawers and see what's there to make the next meal. It's, it's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's good to live a little bit leaner. Yeah, and now probably for the first six to eight months of us being opened our fridges are always full and now i know that one of our storage fridges is pretty much empty and one of the prep the service fridges upstairs is nearly empty so we we're pretty good at, at bringing the things in that we need and and storing them and, and using them in a fast and efficient way and, and i think that's half the battle is the overconsumption of as humans that we we just overconsume, so we order too much, and then we end up putting it in the bin. And and if you're just a bit more resourceful and think about what you're ordering, and just order what you need, it's actually going to be much more beneficial for one how much money you're spending, but also better for the environment. Yeah, well, I mean, hospitality seems so implicated in this because there is this feeling that you have to be generous you want to you want to be generous it's all about generosity things should feel bountiful uh you know you don't want people to leave hungry do you feel like there's is there some new way that we have to look about look at generosity of feeding people looking after people we it's probably the biggest thing that we do in our place of food is analyze all food when it comes back to the bar when people have finished eating we always analyze portion size um, and it's trying to find the right balance between what is 
cost effective what is the right price that we can that people want to pay for a start and then figuring out what what your margin is so you can be a business and, and make money but also if the portion size is too big and it constantly comes back and there's always waste you know that you're serving too much food and then you don't have to order as much because you can put less on the plate charge a little less um, I know there, there was an, an EPA worked with the Hilton in Sydney and they they analysed all of their bins for, for a whole year and that was you know doing the same thing analysing everything that went in the bin you know why why did that pizza why did that one slice of pizza get going, get coming in the bin because it was too big people didn't eat it so then they reduced the size and then because they reduced the size they didn't need to order as much flour to make dough or the toppings and it, that kind of filtered down and snowballed to all aspects of the hotel and they they ended up saving $800,000 in, in food costs in one year and and when you start talking figures like that that's people start to to respond to to saving money especially in in the current world where food cost and energy bills are all going up this is this is massive for everyone yeah that's really telling um, i remember seeing it as at a food expo a couple of years ago there was like a some smart bin that actually photographed everything that was um, scraped off plates in a kitchen and analyzed it and they came up it was incredibly powerful. I think it was like really big in the Netherlands and they had some countrywide reduction in waste that was really dramatic. So I guess, yeah, it's um, open to any business doing that on yeah whatever scale they happen to be at. But definitely when people are always thinking about costs and, and I suppose, you know, when price of prices of produce are going up in lots of cases, like, well, how do you find savings that aren't necessarily about reducing the quality of a product um it's uh yeah really really powerful information matt yeah it's, it's something that we we have uh, notebooks we have one two three four we have five bins on the bar one's for paper for recycling one's for compost one's for glass one is for um, general waste and one's for our linen and we we record everything that goes in the general and the compost um and it, when you start holding yourself accountable you start to understand like you start to question when you're putting it in the bin because you know that you've got to hold yourself accountable write in the sheet and, and give a reason why you're wasting it and, and and put a reason like next to it what you could do next time in and that might be not not ordering it not ordering this, that amount of produce or, you know, you could have figured out a recipe to, to use it. And pretty much the only thing that goes in the general waste is um, plastic. And we're really close to a solution so we can have that all, that all recycled. It's pretty much the only thing we actually put in landfill is, is punnets of fruit that are plastic that are, that are kind of hard. And then soft plastics like plastic bags when they just you can only say to your supplier that you want the produce to come in loose and not no plastic uh, but you know someone someone comes in for a new shift they don't see your notes and then you've got a plastic, five plastic bags um but we there's a, there's a new local company and they're coming to see us next week if, to figure out a solution for that because mm. yeah i guess the best solution would be that it doesn't come in in the first place but um yeah 100 percent. but how do you how do you as a single singular bar telling a strawberry picker to not send plastic send it, it, it loose is 
near on impossible to, to make change that way. It needs to be it needs to be something that everyone asks for. You know, like when you go into your supermarket and there's like massive boxes of like tomatoes that you just put you you take yourself and you you put them in your basket loose and they weigh them and you wash them when you get home. It's just, everything can be like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, it, it makes me think of my friend who went to the goes to the farmers market with like almost like a decants blueberries from a punnet lovingly like almost into her apron and then carries them home and just think it's such an individual solution and it's great but yeah it has to be uh has to be so much bigger than that but yeah what do you do except start where you are exactly you can only start where you are and do as much as you can and hope that without preaching too much it's more about this is what we do and and we hope that you follow um, because people don't like being preached to. They don't like being told what to do. And if you just – but you also don't want to be the, the place that, as especially as a bar and restaurant, that's just as seen as educating because bars and restaurants are about fun. They're about having going out and having a good time and catching up with your friends and leaving happier than when you arrived. And that's the name of the game of hospitality. You go out, you have a great time, you want to go back because you had a great time, you spend money – and the cycle continues. Um, so you, we're very conscious of being an education platform. We also want to be a place that people, that's, this is a haven for people to come and have fun at the same time. So we're, we're very mindful of when we, when we educate, how much we, information we give, and we generally don't offer it up until someone asks, especially in the venue. Matt, is there anything else that you want to touch on in this chat? I think, I think we've pretty much covered it. Um, well, that's good because it's a pretty big topic. Um, how do you feel about what you do? It's, it's a weird one because you it feels good to do good things, but you also know that you're never, ever going to succeed. There's a, in a, that sounds really negative, but it's not. I mean it in the best possible sense of even if you succeed, there's always something else to learn to be better every single day. That everything we do every single day, we know. I know that we can improve on. So we, we always know that there's always something to discuss as a team that how we can improve on what we do in our venue to make the day after better. Um, and that's, and that goes for, I think all humans in, in this, in sustainable, in this sustainable topic, we, we as we all have a, a role to play in, in, in the planet and we can all, we can all do better things every single day. Beautiful. Couldn't think of a better note to leave it on. Uh, thank you so much, Matt. It's been yeah, really inspiring to have a chat to you. Cannot wait to come and drink some seconds, plums, spritzes or whatever it was when I head to Sydney soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.